Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24. This may sound a little familiar. The parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Uh, This week, I get the opportunity to talk to you about, um, it's the second week in our series, uh, the Come Come Home for Christmas. And uh, so we're going to be looking again at the three gifts, or specifically one of the three gifts that the father gave to his son when he returned home. So go ahead and uh, uh, grab your notes and we'll get started. Search, searching for acceptance, significance, and security. The prodigal son demanded his inheritance and left the father to pursue a life of success, which was followed by a life of barely surviving. It wasn't until he returned home to the father did he find the acceptance, significance, and security he was longing for. This acceptance being the robe of righteousness, significance, and the ring of authority and security in the uh, shoes of sonship. For this week, we're talking about the second gift, the ring of authority, Authority and significance is understanding where you stand. And when the prodigal son returned home, his his family authority and significance was restored. We're going to be answering three things about this ring of authority. One being what it is, two, what it isn't, and three, how do we live in the reality of it? But before we get into this, um, so this time of year, 
uh, it, during Christmas, we, my family watches a lot of Christmas movies. And uh, one of my favorites is A Christmas Story. And so, uh, what, what's the, uh, with the Christmas story, who's seen it, uh, what's the gift that Ralphie wants? A BB gun, the Red Rider, Red Rider BB gun. The, the Red Rider, it was like the Red Rider carbine action 200 shot range model air rifle. And what happens when he ever asks for it? He gets a response, you'll shoot your eye out. Um, but he does end up getting it. And so I was thinking, what, what was the gift for me? Like when I was growing up, was there anything that I just, oh, I just wanted? Um, or even any of you, is there anything that comes to mind when you're growing up that you were like, what was that one gift that you wanted that you either got or didn't get, but you just, your heart was set on it? BB gun? Anything else? <laughs> what else? Anything? Bicycle, bikes, trains, uh, heard pony uh, last night, scooters. Um, I th- my son, I, he has his heart set. He really wants a drone. I don't know. But we'll see. The, for me, growing up, the thing I really wanted, I remember distinctly, of all the things, of all the years, um, there was one particular year where I really wanted a Game Genie for my Nintendo. My, the original N6, or not N64, the original just NES, Nintendo. And what was cool, this Game Genie, which was amazing, why I thought it was going to change my life. I don't even know where it is anymore. Um, it's probably at Goodwill or in a trash bin. Um, but it's, you would do is you'd put it in between the console and the game cartridge, because that's, you know, we didn't download things. There wasn't the internet. Um, so you'd, you'd put in the game cartridge, and then it would bring up a screen. You could enter in codes and essentially hack the game. You could unlimited lives and all these things. And I for sure thought this was going to change my life, and so I was so excited for it. But the thing is about it, I th- I'm pretty sure we, we ended up losing the instructions for it at one point, which is why I think we gave it away. But you needed the codes in order to, for this to work. And so you might be thinking, that's great, Russ. You really like that game, Jeannie. Well, why, why are we talking about that? And how does this have to do with uh, the prodigal son? Well, and, and the gifts that he was given. Well, it's really, it's like that, that toy, that 90s hunk of plastic was only good if you knew how to use it or you knew what it was capable of or if you actually, you could plug it in, but unless you entered it into the codes, it didn't work. Kind of like this, we can, we were given the robe of righteousness and this ring of authority and the shoes of sonship, but unless we understand and live in the reality of them, then what? We're, we're, we're missing out on everything that it has to offer. So last week, we talked about the robe of righteousness. Righteousness being, righteousness meaning that we're, we're in a right standing or relationship with God. When this robe, when, we, when this robe is placed on us, not only are our sins forgiven, are our sins placed on Christ, but his righteousness is departed on us. Our, our account goes from negative to the infinitely positive. It, it's not just erasing the debt but it, it's so much more. And, and if it stopped there, that would be enough, but it doesn't. So along with his righteousness, he's also given us his authority. So this ring of authority, why a ring? Well, there's various types of rings. Rings throughout human history, even today, have various meanings. We have school rings, which indicate to be proud of the school you went to. We have uh, wedding rings, which symbolize your love for your spouse and the commitment you make. 
heirloom rings you pass on to your children uh, for, to show that significance and, and the memory of the people that came before. And then there's also a, a one ring that rules them all, which just means that I'm a nerd and wanted to put that and talk about this morning. <laughs> and also, I'm also, along with being a nerd, I, I also like sports. And then there's also, like some of us hope, mm, the Cardinals will win themselves some Super Bowl rings, which means they were good this year, they might not be next year. But these are all different types of rings. Not the kind, the, the kind we're talking about this morning is, is more of a signet ring. And not just a ring that you would have initials on, because those are cool, and it shows, you know, uh, this ring, but rather uh, it me, it's, a, it's like a signature. So historically, they would have these rings to, to signify power and authority and to, and to declare things. So uh, two examples of this that happened in the, in the Old Testament was in Genesis 40. After uh, Joseph was in, in prison, he uh, interpreted a dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was so impressed by this that he had give him, he, he set out to put him in ruler over all the land. And he gave the signet ring from his hand. From Pharaoh's hand, he put it on Joseph's. He clothed him, gave him a chain around his neck, put him in the chariot next to him, second chariot, and set him over to rule all of Egypt. And Esther, the king, took his signet ring, the royal signet ring, which decrees government, which the decrees of government were signed, the official stamp, that everything in government needed to be approved by, and he gave it to Mordecai. These rings, they held power and significance. So this is what it was historically. So what is this ring that we're talking about this morning? I mean, I'm not wearing an, I have my wedding band, but I don't, I'm not wearing a ring of authority. So what is this in our lives? What is this, this ring? And what does it mean? Well, it brings us to the first fill in the blank. And that is, it, it is, signifies our confidence in identity in Christ. Confidence in our identity in Christ. We are the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? Well, let me, uh, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5 and 9. As you come to him, you are a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are his, we're this, so historically, so kind of put it in context, historically, the, the Jews had to go through, uh, the Jewish people would have to go through priests. Priests would make sacrifices, rabbis, all these various people in order to get to God. There was no direct line. But here, when with this, this, this gift that's freely given to us is we, the, we are the ones that are doing that now. We are the ones making the sacrifice, or rather, we're sacrificing our, our lives in that way. We're, we're giving ourselves as pure gifts to God. So we can be confident in that. It's like we, 
we are now, there's now no longer anyone between us and God, no matter what anybody says. Next is we have the authority. Next thing this ring has is it gives us the authority to make disciples, to minister to others. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. So sometimes people think, um, so what, what does this mean? Sometimes people think that in, in order to baptize someone, in order to witness to somebody, to tell them about Christ, tell them to share your faith, that you either have to be some sort of pastor or leader, that, nope, that's only for the varsity Christians, but, you know, I'm barely, I didn't even make the freshman team. It's like, I'm just, I'm a bench warmer, like, which isn't true. It's, this is an authority given to all, day one. The big one is, it's like ministering to others, sharing with them, but like making disciples and praying, praying for people. You can pray for people. Right out the gate. Just, you have that authority and that authority has been given to you. There's nothing stopping you from that, except for ourselves. We're the only ones that get in the way of that. But God's giving you that authority. And if you're a new Christian, and and a lot of times people think, well, I can't do that. You know, what if they ask hard questions? Uh, Here, you can just say, I don't know. It's totally okay. A lot of because that sometimes kind of hinders us from being able to share it. We, we're scared they're going to give ask us a question that we don't know. Totally have the freedom to say, you know, I don't know the answer, but I do know this. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once living over here in this life, and it was hard. Life's still hard, but I have hope. I have hope in something better. I have hope. God has a hope and a future for me. So along with that, so our identity in Christ, making disciples, praying for others, goes into the next point. We have a direct line to God through prayer. Praying isn't uh, a lot. Sometimes we think of prayer as just that thing that you do either after meals or before bed or um, right, you know, before or after church. But it's a thing that you can do all the time. It's, a, it's communication with God daily and always. And it's like a child's conversation with their father. Uh, the promises in the Bible about prayer, should, should the intru- it just, we should be praying a lot. It says, and I just wrote down four, but there's so many. But it's like, we, we shall, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Psalm 91, 15. Or, and it shall come to pass before they call, I will answer. And they, and while they are speaking, I will hear. God hears us in the moment that we're praying. It's not like an answering machine where you'll get to us later. He hears us in the moment. He hears our hearts. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. It's in Matthew. And then James 4, 2. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, 
because you do not ask God. Too often, we try to get these things on our own. We're, we're striving and it causes conflict. All we're doing is fighting over the scraps of life. And right there, we all have this. We can just ask God. Go to God for those things that you're struggling with. God tells us that we are to pray for one another and also assures us that he hears us and answers those prayers. There's the, the faith of the centurion in the, uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, where the centurion is, uh, he was this, uh, a Roman leader uh, over about 100 soldiers. And he goes to Jesus and asks him, to heal his servant. Jesus replies, he's like, Jesus, come and heal my servant. And he says, okay. He's like, I'll come and heal him. Then the centurion replies to Jesus, says, wait, no, Lord, I'm not worthy of having you under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus heard this. When Jesus heard this, he, he marveled. And said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Also in that text, it, the, the centurion talks about uh, his understanding of leadership and how being a leader of all these men, that if he asks, for, he says, do this, it's done. Jump, they say, how far? Like, it's, they're, they're, he's a leader, of, a, a military leader of all these men. He understands leadership and authority, and he understands the authority Jesus had, that he didn't even need to go. He just needed to say the word, and it happened. And so he had that faith. And so that, that says that prayer makes things happen that otherwise wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. Like, that's, that's how powerful prayer is. And our prayers also have the ability to impact places across the world, regardless of where you are. Prayer for change or, or help to the missionaries in Africa. Help from missionaries in Asia, South America. Help for, help for change everywhere. Help for change in Washington. It's prayers change. You don't have to be there. You pray. God, it's like our prayer has that ability. And we have the authority in that, this direct line to God through prayer. We also have the prayer to overcome strongholds. That's your next one. Or, I'm sorry, not prayer, power, excuse me. Power to overcome strongholds. So specifically for me, um, and how this was really um, working in my life, is it's a freedom to overcome or freedom over negative thoughts and emotions. Something that I leave on my desk at work is um, I have, or sits right in front of me every day, especially when stress has come, uh, just a little five by, uh, three by five card that I hand wrote, and it's uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then kind of jumping back more in the verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
This isn't something that we do. We don't overcome these things on our own power and stick it to us and, you know, life's hard, so stick it out and power through or any of those things. These are things that we get from him. And, and I didn't have it in, it's not in your notes, but also the power to overcome addiction. These things that, it, and really, addiction is anything that we're placing over God that controls our life. It could be substance, it could be social media, it could be our work, it could be your relationship. God wants our hearts to, love, to be in love with him. And so, and he gives us that power to overcome those things through him. And then the last one in this, in this group is authority over, against spiritual attacks. Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then it goes on the rest of that and lists out, which we could probably do on the armor of God, all, all six items. We could probably do six-week series. Totally don't have time for that tonight or today. But but this, we have this authority against these things, these schemes of the devil, these things that attack us in life, these hard things. And, and reminded in these things, that there's the helmet of salvation. Um, we're saved. <laughs> he protects us. The, the breastplate of righteousness. It's like that, that robe of righteousness, this thing that's on us, and we have his righteousness. The belt of truth. The shield of faith. Protecting, protecting us from attacks, knowing when we have faith in him, he protects us. The sword of the spirit, which is the Bible, and the shoes of peace. These are all, these are things, we're called to put these on. We have this authority in that. Part of this ring of authority is knowing that we can put on these things and, and, and that he is with us to protect us and guide us. Wearing the ring of authority is understanding where you stand in your significance with God. It's understanding your identity. Who's your identity in? It's, it's understanding that you can make disciples, you can share your faith, you can pray with others. You have that authority and that significance. You have a direct line to God through prayer. And you, you have the power to overcome the strongholds in your life depression, addiction, any of these things, the spiritual attacks. We have all, we have this authority and significance in Christ. So what it isn't though. So in the, we read the first section this morning of uh, the beginning when the prodigal son comes back and he's given the three gifts, but, and then they throw a party. But that next part, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little because I uh, just kind of tried to modernize some of the wording so it kind of like has that, that weight. But it's when the older son heard the music and the dancing, he asked what was going on. And he refused to, when he found out, he refused to join. The father came out and just pleaded with him, son, why aren't you in here? And then his son answered him, look, bro, I've been doing everything you asked. Which, by the way, probably not a good thing to call your dad bro and say, look, look bro. Um, I've never disobeyed you. I followed all your rules. Never once did you let me have even a small party with my friends. Dude, we just wanted to order a pizza and hang out, 
And you're just like, you didn't let us do that ever. But not only that, when this punk came home, like you spent, who spent all your money, by the way, spent all this money, comes home, and not only are you acting like nothing happened, but you're throwing a huge party for him just because he came home because he was too poor and, you know, too poor to live on his own. And then his father replied to him, son, you've always been with me. All that is mine is yours. All you had to do was ask. It's always been, all you had to do. It's always been here. You've always been able to have the order of pizza. It's nothing stopped you. So it's fitting that we celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Historically speaking, when, when, the, old, when, the, when the younger son left, the father had every right to be, you're dead to me. Write him out. Never come back. You're dead to me, and if you come back, we'll make you really dead. But he didn't. Instead, he was overcome with joy that he ran to him. Like Middle Eastern men at that time didn't run, especially the, the leaders of families. They didn't run. They walked places. They were, everyone waited for them. But this, he ran to his son when he was a far along, a ways off. And, and he'd even let the son finish. He's just like, oh, dude, you're coming in. But juxtapose the, that with the older son who had been there the whole time but instead thought he had to do all these things. Dad, I didn't do all these things. You didn't give me any of this stuff. Dude, I've been coming to church. I've been reading my Bible. So what? You know, why didn't you give me these good things? Why aren't you happy that I'm here? He's like, I am happy you're here. I've, I've always, you've always been here. Be happy that your, your brother is here too. So this brings us to these, what it isn't. It's not who you know or what you do. Specifically for him, it's, it's, it's what he was doing. He was trying to do, the older brother was trying to do the right things or what he thought. He was doing all the tasks, checking off all the boxes, expecting something. I worked hard, I deserve this. It's also not about following a formula. So in the book of Acts, there's a, uh, a story um, that's kind of funny. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, it, uh, Acts 19 uh, it starts in about verse 13. And it's at the bottom of that section of notes. So if you want to look it up later. But it was a, there was a nomadic. Uh, there were some uh, going around. There were some nomadic Jewish exorcists. And they were hearing that demons were being cast out of people in the name of Jesus. And so, and they were hearing Paul, he was casting, he's like, oh, Paul's using this, there's this guy, Paul, and he uses the name of Jesus. You know what? We should use that as one of our new techniques for getting rid of demons. We should just use Jesus. So they did. It's a new technique to see if it works. So they say, I command you to leave by the name of Jesus, who Paul proclaims. So just in case they... I want to get Jesus mixed up. It was maybe there might have been a different Jesus around. It was a, not a terribly uncommon name. So just in case, it's the one who Paul proclaims, because we didn't really know who he was. 
But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. Who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit attacked them, completely overpowering this group of men, so much so that they had to flee the house they were in, bloodied and naked. He kicked their butts. Because they claimed a power and authority that they clearly did not have. Because they thought it was about saying the right things. I got to say the right thing at the end of the prayer, or you got to do the right steps, or if I'm doing this or I'm doing that, and get all, you know. It's not about who you know or, or what you're doing or following this formula. It's about a relationship with Christ. So is it possible as sons and daughters of God to not walk in the authority that he has given to us? Yes, it is possible. So the question would be then, how would we live and that reality that God, of that God-given authority and significance. There's multiple ways, and, the, and we're going to go through this list of this is, this is how to make sure we're living in that reality and what brings that authority into our lives. First being God's word brings authority and significance. What's your next fill in the blank? Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 both have the story of the temptation of Jesus where he responds multiple times with, it is written. He is attacked and he responds, it is written, and then quotes the Bible. He quotes the scriptures. Uh, Man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God or you shall not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test, and you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only should you serve. When this, this is the, the word, God's word and all the, everything in it gives us authority. When we're spending time in this, that's how we live in the reality of this authority. Because you can only remember the things that you've either learned, been taught, read, discussed. It has to go in somehow. So we need to be going into this as much as we can and studying his word and just, and just reading it, even if you don't understand it necessarily right away. Like, just read it. Also, humility brings authority and significance. So this is the next fill in the blank. So in James It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. So being humble is also, he calls us to be humble. Being humble is living in this reality. So I know, and humble isn't thinking. I know we've said this multiple times, but humble, being, humility isn't thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. Key distinction. One being, because if you're thinking less of yourself, that's self-pity. That's really the, the other side of the pride coin, as you could say. You're still self-centered. You're just thinking you're terrible all the time or you're not worth 
this. Or you're just like, ah, oh, I'm not that great. You know, don't praise me or whatever. But instead, be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not concerned necessarily by that. Like, it doesn't even, doesn't even compute. You're like, oh, yeah, it's all God. Or it's all, you know, you know th- this or that. It's like not in you. But it's, that's part of living in this reality is knowing. That gives us humility when we live in, live in the reality of his authority and significance. Because I know that we've all heard people that don't do this. It looks like it's the who, yeah, do you know who I am? Or let me talk to your manager. Or like, do you know who I am? It's, I, don't, I don't know. I find the videos funny where they're like, you know who I am? And they're, they're pulling, it's like the cop pulls them over and it's like, I, I don't care who you are. You shouldn't have been speeding. Like, yeah, well, my son's brother's or my son's girlfriend's father is the executive thing of the, this county that's in another state. I'm like, yeah, no one cares. Like, but it's, it's all about that. Who, you know, do you know who I am? But when we're in Christ, it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about who I am in of my own self, but who I am in him. I have his uh, peace present, this authority in that. It's the authority to just be okay with people not thinking well of you. It, it doesn't matter. He thinks well of me. It, part of that is um, understanding, too, is like sometimes we're the older brother. So we have to be careful of that because that's a tendency. A lot of times the younger brother comes back doing their own thing, self-discovery, party, whatever, and then comes to Christ. And then instead of being in the gospel, transitions into the older brother and now is like, shame on you for doing those bad things to all the younger brothers. And then gets mad and then just like, whatever, I've been here the whole time. What's up? Like, dude, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's, it's about where you're in the gospel. So it's a, we have this younger brother, older brother mentality, but finding yourselves in the gospel, that is, the part of that is humility. And also part of it is, is obedience to him, which is your next plot. Being obedient brings authority. The parable of the, there's a parable of the two sons, Matthew 22. And Jesus tells a story of a man who had two sons. He asked them both to go work in his vineyard. One of them said, I don't want to do that. Whatever, Dad. But then ends up working anyways. Grumbling and complaining, he works in the vineyard. Then the second son responds, yeah, Dad, anything you want. But then doesn't work in the vineyard. Jesus asked the people there, which one of these two, the first or the second, were doing the will of the Father? The answer is, the first one. They answered, yeah, it's the first one. He says, you're right. The one who said he didn't want to do it and didn't and did it grumbling did, compl- did follow him. He then follows up and tells those, because there were some Pharisees around, and he points out and he says, hey, because of the, like, what I'm saying here is, just in case you didn't get it, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. Like, it's not what you're saying, it's what you're doing that brings this authority and significance. And it's not that we earn our salvation. We already have this. We already have this ring of authority, this significance. It's how we live in it through obedience in him. It also makes me think of, uh, there's a story uh, in the Old Testament of Jonah. Jonah had no, he's like, God told him, hey, go tell these people that you hate to that 
you know, to repent and, and give, them the, give them the good news? And, and his response was, uh, no, um, instead I'm going to go over here and I'm getting on a boat and I'm going to go as far away as possible. <laughs> and then God basically sends a storm and he gets kicked out of the boat, uh, swallowed by a whale, and then taken there anyways. And he still does the will of the Father. He still does the will of God in the end. But I said, that's where it is. It's in undoing. Sometimes it takes a while for God to work on our hearts to get us there, but we still obey. And in that, being submission, submissive to his authority in our life, which is the next one, submission to God brings authority and significance. James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, or sorry, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Part of that, like that obedience is also submitting to him. It's, it's, it is obeying, but then also being like, God says, hey, go do this, and you say, okay. Follow my, okay, I'm following. And then the next is forgiveness. Forgiveness brings authority and significance. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth to his neighbor, for we all members one and another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. When we don't forgive each other, when we're not being forgiving, we're giving, we're, we're opening ourselves up to that spiritual attack. That thing that we, we, we mentioned, we have authority over spiritual attacks. We're opening ourselves up. So part of that is being forgiving. We've all been, it's like, when you're at, brought into God's family, you're forgiven of your sins and you're right, his righteousness is put on you. So why not forgive more? Get forgive out of the forgiveness you've received. And then also understanding this, not forgiving, the opposite would be bitterness. And I know we said it before, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies, which is insane. Like, so no, we're to forgive. Part of forgiving gives us that authority and significance in him because we are forgiven, so we're called to forgive. And then the next and the last point on the, I fill in the blank, is a Holy Spirit brings authority and significance. 1 John 4.4, 4, little children, you're from God and have overcome, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit in us. When we join his family, he's with us. My oldest son, Ezra, doesn't like school, which is not shocking. I didn't like school when I was 11 either. But in his words, it just stresses him out. So we talk about it and pray uh, every morning on the way to school, uh, especially when he's feeling uh, stressed and especially stressed out and worried. And, uh, and once he asked, uh, how does God actually help me? How do I know the Holy Spirit is helping me? That's a really good question. How? And, it, and we prayed and, we sh and I shared this verse with him. I'm going back I, and I, I shared this earlier and I, I just think it's a great verse. The one I have on my desk is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with, by prayer and supplication, 
Supplication being asking humbly or earnestly with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart for what God has already given us. To let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't even... Sometimes you're like, distress, I don't, I don't know, it doesn't... Why? I should be worried. But somehow I, I still have this sense of peace, though the world is chaotic around me. So this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not that the problems go away in life, but you begin to see them in the light of eternity. Sometimes the loudness of work, school, family, everything around you just feels too much to bear. But we have this authority in Christ to have peace in this spirit. His, his spirit is with us. So dwelling in that, reading the scriptures. For me, when I'm feeling stressed, also I like my favorite psalm uh, is Psalm 46. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm gonna, there's a couple sections of it that I want to grab. And it's 1 through 3 and then 10 and 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then verse 10, be still, for I am God. I will be exalted in all the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of all heaven and earth, the Lord of all the angels, the Lord of all. And the God who's been there since before time is our fortress. The creator and sustainer of the universe is with us. And he is our fortress in times of, of, hard, of hardness. And so it's, it's not a denial of the storms of life. So it's not a denial that these storms are happening. Because that can be too. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just completely oblivious. If I just don't open up my bank account, I don't know what's in there. It'll be fine. But it's having peace when looking right into the heart of the storm. You're looking at it and you still have his peace. That's the Holy Spirit. It's it, and sometimes you don't even feel it. So that's how I was explaining to my son. It was like, it's that. It's looking at it and still having that peace. It doesn't make sense. But you're looking at it. You're not in denial. That's the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. Even if you don't feel it, he's still there. Because he promises. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we don't. It's okay. Uh, David, man after God's own heart, didn't feel it all the time. He, sometimes he'd be like, God, where are you? I don't feel you today. What's going on? I feel alone. So, what is the ring of authority? It is confidence in our identity in Christ. It's so we, can, it, this, we, we have the authority to make disciples, to go to God in prayer, to overcome these strongholds, defense against these spiritual attacks. 
And it's not about anything that we do. It's not following a certain set of rules. He has saved us. And and, in we're doing that, the best way to live in that is is remember to get into his word and read the promises he has for us. Pray for humility. Ask for him to keep you humble and, and obedience and submission to him. Forgiving others. And, and then allowing his, his Holy Spirit to, to minister to you and, and dwell in your life. Um, so one last thing before we wrap up. It's, uh, life can be really, really hard and uh, can get you down sometimes. And, and the only thing that can be made worse when it's hard is not living in the reality of his authority. Is when you forget about it. You forget this ring. You forget the robe of righteousness, you forget the ring of authority and the shoes of sonship. You forget these things that he's given to you as a member of his family. You need to live in the reality and the significance that we have in Christ. So my um, family and I recently were watching an animated movie uh, based on Pilgrim's Progress, the, the book Pilgrim's Progress, a really old book. I recommend, I started to try to read it. It's kind of hard to read because of the, it's 300 years old, so it's a little, the English is a little wonky, but highly recommend. The animated movie's great. I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime or something, and it's, uh, but one of the things in the story, so the main character, his name is Christian, and as he leaves the city of despair and, and going towards the celestial city where this, uh, this good, righteous, just king lives with, loves all of his subjects, and so he's on his way there, and he has this heavy pack, and he's just like trudging along through life, and it's, it's hard. And as he's going, he meets various people along the way. Some of them point him on the right path. But some of them are like, hey, oh, yeah, 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 the king, he's great. I like him too. You know what, though? You know, um, I mean, if you really think about it, all roads, I mean, if it's the true center of everything, then all roads really kind of lead there. So really, you should take this easier path over here. And he does. It's like this, you know what? You can get rid of that pack that's super heavy over here. And he follows it, and, it, and it's wrong. And, and he ends up back, and, and, he, and he loses track, and he comes back. And then another guy's like, oh, you know what? If the king really loved you, he wouldn't make, the road would be easier. Like if he was really righteous and just, getting to this, this kingdom would be easier, and the road would be, um, would feel, it would just be easier to go on. But every single one of these and turned out to be a trap. Because really, there's only one gospel. There's only one way to salvation. That's through Jesus Christ. Everything else is a trap. Everything else is a trap. So when we're going in this life, kind of like how the, the son was, the, the younger son, he, was, he pursued his significance and stuff and success. And for him, when it ran out, he found himself just surviving. So he's either successful or you're just surviving. We're either pursuing temporal wealth, um, fame, fortune, insta-famous, lots of money, or whatever we think we're going to get our significance in, or we're just trying to survive. We're not even thinking about that. We're just trying to, to not die. Both this life of success and this life of survival are based on worldly significance. It's what we're, where we're finding it. We're not satisfied in him. You're successful. When you're successful, you think it's, it's you know, I worked hard. I deserve this. That's why I'm successful, and it's, it's awesome. 
You're working hard and you're not successful, because that happens too. You can work your tail off and still not be successful. And you feel the world owes you something, that you deserve a better life than this. Life shouldn't be this hard. But in both cases, both lives, we come up empty. Just like in Pilgrim's Progress, if you look for your significance in anything apart from the king, who is our father, it's a trap. It's a false gospel. And as believers in Christ, we have been given this authority in God's kingdom. Like, we, we have this authority over all of these things. And it is through, it's, it's getting into his word, it's spending time with him and prayer and, and praying, that, hey God, help me to look to you for my identity. Help me to pray and minister with others. Help me to get out of the way of what you're doing. And know that you're with me always. You have my back, God. And this is all by grace. It's nothing we've earned through faith. And it's all by grace through faith in Jesus. It's nothing that we could have earned. When you receive Christ in your heart, you become a child of God. When you joined his family, you got these gifts. You're in his family. You have authority and significance. When you become a child of God, you have privilege, authority, and significance that come with it, that comes with being in the king's family. And this life, this Christian life, is, is not just that, this privilege, authority, and significance. It is a personal relationship. It's knowing he has your back. He's with you. And best of all, this relationship lasts for all eternity. It doesn't end. It doesn't end here when we're done. We don't always feel it, but he's always there with us. And it lasts forever. Next week, we're going to be talking about, it's the third week in the series, the, sh the shoes of sonship or secure, our security. At the end of service, I'll be up here along with any available elders to uh, pray with you. I'd love to meet you. Um, if you want to come and join Christ's family today, I would love to pray with you and talk that through with you. Um, let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. That when we were a long way off, you ran out to us in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray today that in the troubles of life, we would look to you always for our significance. Help us to live in the reality of that significance and authority that you give us every day. We pray these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.